It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to the second part of a very special two-part edition of Britain is a Nation Of. On this episode, we continue our discussion at the Edinburgh Science Festival, recorded at the Pleasance Cabaret Bar. Coming up... Survey results for how many Brits believe in creationism, anti-vaxxer alarmism or flat earth theories. So without further ado... And we are joined by two special guests, Penny Sachet, news editor at New Scientist magazine. Hello, Penny. <laughs> and we're also joined by another special guest, BBC science presenter and writer Dallas Campbell. Hello, so thank you for having me. Uh, pop quiz for the panel, and if anyone in the audience wants to shout out as well, <laughs> I would like to ask, um, who can remember what God did in his first seven days? Remember what he did on his seventh day? In... Had a rest. Yes, <laughs> we all remember that one. What did God create in his first six days then? Can anyone remember? We were, oh, were we on the sixth day? We were the last thing? We were all the Probably. creatures that live on dry land. Right. That was number six. What else did he create? The, the... The sky stuff. What was he doing beforehand? That's what I want to know. So on day one, he kept the heavens and earth, and then heavens the, and earth and light, the and then he ones. separated light from dark. Okay. Quite challenging. Busy day. And then he created the sky on day, day, day two. You're a Catholic. You should know. All I was Catholic too. <laughs> and I don't remember. I'm lapsed. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. I'm lapsed. Uh, and on day three, he created dry land and all plant life both large and small, it's busy. Uh, day four, he created all the stars and heavenly celestial bodies. I like that one, that's my favourite one. Uh, on day five, he created all the life that lives in the water. Uh, and on day six, uh, he created all the creatures that live on dry land. And then he rested um, on the Sabbath. Uh, so, uh, so yes, this is about creationism. Uh, our third conspiracy theory is not we should probably preface it by saying it's not quite a conspiracy yeah. theory. <laughs> Although it is Why is it not quite a conspiracy theory? Uh, because, I, I, because I guess more it's a faith-based question rather than... But is that just a cultural thing? Uh, I mean, presumably the, the, the psychology behind it is... I, be similar. I guess I think there's also a, a, a tentativeness to ascribe a person's religious belief to a conspiracy theory. And I suppose I think there isn't a kind of us and themness yeah. to it in the way that a lot of other conspiracy, well, a lot yeah. of conspiracy theories have an us and them. But vibe. also, I, d yeah. I don't think I speak as a very non-religious person, but I don't think for a lot of people and, and friends who have faith, I, it, I don't think it actually really comes down to facts and putting together evidence and working out what's true. Um, there's something about religion and faith where it's a spiritual thing. It, it's a, a way of um, it's a philosophy and, and thinking about your place in the universe. So. I don't think it's quite the same as mm. looking at a picture of a flag on the moon and thinking, am I being lied to? It's kind mm. of a, a different domain. Well, the British people were asked whether they think <clears throat> that the universe was created by God in seven days and evolution is part of his creation plan. Seven days, uh -huh. his creation plan. Uh, oh, okay, so you're, it's not people who don't believe in evolution, which is a... It's more complicated. Yes. <laughs> uh, but we will come on to that. So one in seven Britons think it's probably or definitely the case the universe was created by God in seven days. Well, that's definitely a science question, isn't it? I mean, if, 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 that's, the, if that's the 
Seven days. One in seven Britons think that happened. Uh, one in 12 think it's probably true. Uh, and one in 20 think it is definitely true that God created the, God created, uh, the world in, or the universe in seven days. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't much variance across age groups um, uh, and gender, but on a regional comparison, it was quite interesting. Uh, it was much more prevalent in uh, London with more than one in five Londoners, 21% thinking it's true that mm. God created the universe in seven days compared to just one in 10 Brits in the southwest and in Scotland. They're pretty much the same as the national average. So, <laughs> one in seven Britons, what do we think about that? I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm surprised about the Londoners. I was double yeah. checking the Londoners that you're right. <laughs> totally you? <laughs> my, rational, my, my rational brain is, is surprised, but then, you know, like, you, know, like you I, have, I have friends who are, who are scientists who, mm. work in, who also have faith. Mm. Personally, I don't know how you square that, these sort of, who was it, the non overlapping magisteria of. of Rationality and, and faith. I don't. I don't. I can't square that circle. For me, you know, when you do, talking about the first page of the, the mm. of the Old Testament, that's a scientific question: how the universe came into existence. I can't think of a more interesting scientific question mm. than that. You know, that's that's. The, so well, yeah, be, I, so I think that's the. I think the the interesting thing about this conspiracy theory is that it's unprovable either way. So, well, so no, it, it's, that's, what's the debate well, it, within it, the in scientific that, community about? Well, we know we can. We, Genesis is all of science can t tell you the, the body of evidence of science that can tell you that's not true is mm. is, is massive. <laughs> it's basically everything in okay. science. So, yeah. So, what is it about creationism? I mean, there's, there's quite in my research, and this is actually quite a number of different forms of creationism, mm. which is quite interesting in itself. Okay. There's young Earth creationists who are kind of your hardcore creationists, uh, and they think it very much happened in God's like the guy and he created in seven days and then you have kind of old earth creationists who kind of think it might have happened like that and but it might have been over a much longer period of time hundreds of millions of years so um, young earth creationists are they the people who think fossils were put there yes. by the devil yes essentially, exa to exactly test yes to test us uh, and then, you, and then more That's recently, true. which I, I thought <laughs> yeah. we could come into this you know more, is, uh, right? <laughs> is the uh, in the last thirty years the idea of intelligent design has been mm. has been the um, has been the, the, the sort of the, the theory that's they're trying to make creationism progressive in a weird way. Creationism in a cheap suit. Exactly. Uh, mm. Scientific creationism. What do we think about intelligent design, Penny? Uh, so something about um, the idea that maybe. God kicked off the Big Bang. Do you want to describe intelligent design? Quickly? Well, yeah, so intelligent design is um, it's a bit like the blind watchmaker um, idea that Richard Dawkins talks about. So the idea that if you look at, if you came across um, a watch uh, lying on the forest floor and you saw it and it has gears and it counts time and it works perfectly and everything fits together and, and it's just a beautiful piece of engineering. If you came across that, you, um, you just wouldn't think that must have sprung all of itself it must have been designed by something intelligent for a purpose. And so for a long time, there's been this idea that, look at us, you know, we do all kinds of amazing mm. stuff. Um, how could we have just kind of haphazardly come together out of nothing? Something must have designed us. And, um, and that's kind of more worrying for me than the idea that maybe God just kicked off the existence of everything and then evolution took off from there. Mm. So I don't know if that falls under the same thing as old world creationism. I, I can kind of work with that because you at least <laughs> are accepting evolution exists and mm -hmm. is shaping things. But the idea that um, we were just created perfect right from the beginning, uh, we know that's wrong. Yes. 
I mean, definitely know that's wrong. And, and, <laughs> and again, you're missing out. I mean, how, how humans came from just a few molecules floating around in a pond or an ocean somewhere is one of the greatest things in science. It, it, personally, for me, they're, they're trying to work out how life began and then became this complicated. It's just the biggest question in biology. It's amazing. Mm. So to just write it all off. Well, is they a bit do, and they're so dismissive of it. Um, there's you know numerous video clips on our beloved YouTube where <laughs> where they, they you know the guy will stand at the front and sort of say you know. And, and evolutionists will tell you that there was some soup millions and billions of years ago some and we kind of came out of this primordial soup. Are you going to believe that? Or, you know, I've got the answers here, and they'll be waving a Bible. That and sounds silly, you think there was some soup that we emerged from. It does sound silly, yeah. <laughs> but you, you can make it sound unscientific, mm, yeah. I think, but with there, your terminology. <laughs> there's a, again, it's... For, it's it, the word theory, you know, mm. evolution, uh, um, creationists will say, ah, oh, yes, but evolution is just a theory. <laughs> and again, this comes from a fundamental misunderstanding of what the word theory means. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they'll use, they'll throw that back at you, like theory is some kind of half-baked idea, mm -hmm. like a guess, and it's mm -hmm. not. Theory is, a, is an, expl an explanation of, of things that are actually happening. But so the, the thing is that that's how we use it in gravity. daily life, right? That's mm. the problem, is that well, it's exactly. becoming, in, in, in conversation, you'll say, well, I've got a theory, theory. This, but in mm. practice, mm. Well, yeah. you know, and then if you, if you use those words for the same thing, no wonder people get confused. Yeah. There was a really um, outlandish headline in 2009. Um, I can't remember what magazine it was in, but it, they, they basically discovered that sort of Darwin's idea of the tree of life mm. and the branches and how we all sort of create stuff like that. Um, they discovered that one way in which Darwin wasn't not wrong necessarily, but hadn't quite had all the full picture at his disposal, was the idea that actually sort of genomes could jump from a branch to a branch. And there's that kind of, I can't remember what it's called, genes swapping well, or something. Uh, like lateral that. gene transfer. Yeah, exactly. And they talk, instead of a tree of life, they talk about the shrub of life. So uh, actually That's there were lots of branches. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it's quite unimpressive, <laughs> yeah. isn't it, actually, compared to a tree. But uh, yeah, there's all these little, there's branches and roots all interlinking at the bottom, which is really interesting. It's really, but the magazine was like, Darwin was wrong, was, was the headline. <laughs> yeah. And creationists have absolutely jumped on that. And... Um, I don't know, we talked earlier on about, you know, the, the, the moon landing and, uh, you know, what harm are they doing. With creationists, it's a difficult one because this is part of their faith and, and you have mm. to respect someone's faith. But you could argue that there's... <laughs> Sorry. You have to... <laughs> you have to. <laughs> Four in five people respect other people's faith. <laughs> uh, but I think that... So what, so what are the dangers, I guess, is my question. Mm. What are the dangers of people having this um, very, I guess faith structure around creationism, whether it's old creationists or sort of those kind of hardcore creationists or the intelligent design creationists, mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the danger? Like, I, what harm are they doing? I, um, so generally speaking, I don't really have a problem with religion and science. Um, loads of scientists are religious, as, mm -hmm. as we were saying, and, and, and many people rationally balance the two and, and it's not a problem at all. Um, but I think when you start getting to this idea that everything is God's plan, mm. the, the climate change, uh, the antibiotic resistance, um, uh, uh, diseases that could be presented with vac uh, prevented with vaccines, then um, that starts getting really worrying because it's not just then about uh, spiritualism and, and uh, being spiritual and, and being rational. Then it's getting in the way of us actually trusting in science, understanding the world, making it better, protecting our health. So at that point, it gets really quite quite dangerous and, mm. and takes lives. I think actually that was something I came across in the climate change research as well, that a lot of people who are very religious um, struggle to believe that climate change is a problem that we as humans need to tackle because surely if there's an all-powerful God, they wouldn't make yeah. a problem like mm. that. Yeah. 
I don't have a problem with, with I have scientist friends who are also religious. I'm curious how you square those circles. I'm just curious Some how you... Some of my best friends are scientists. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I'm just, you know, I'm curious how you can be a, a young earth creationist and be a geologist, for example. I don't know how that would mm. work. Yeah, I, I wonder if there are... There any. are. And how does it work? Argument I don't one. know. I don't know. I mm. won't mention any names. Our understanding of evolution has, has um, evolved quite a lot, though, I guess. Is there any sense of, of where... How that will develop next, and the idea of transferring genes, like what's mm. what's next? I mean, mm. we obviously don't know, but where where is it going to become more relevant? So that, to our one, lives? Of, one of the big things, um, like uh, the Darwinian evolution idea, is is the one that most people know, which is that um, we change um, to better adapt to things and and get better at things. And, and one of the um, big sort of not often spoken about changes that happened in the 20th century in our understanding is actually maybe a lot of the changes to our DNA, they're just quite random and they don't have that much effect. Or actually maybe a lot of the changes that happen to our DNA are, are bad. And so there's different ways that evolution works. It's not like we're all just constantly striving to be better. So there's little tweaks and, and understandings like that which have been quite fundamental in evolution that we're still really getting a balance on. But in terms of um, our understanding of, of like big conceptual ideas, um, we still don't really understand epigenetics very well. So the, this is this idea I nodded knowingly, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, such a knowing nod. <laughs> <laughs> you looked wise. This is this idea that there are markers on top of our DNA that um, might be passing down sort of acquired or experienced um, environment using that sort of information across generations. And um, it, this is fully established in, in plant biology. We, we can see that and we know it happens. And there's lots of things where we observe that, um, like if your grandparents maybe were exposed to really stressful times, um, you might be more likely to be born at a higher weight because potentially... Really? Mm. So, mm. Some, so and it, we're still not really sure if that data holds up. Um, we absolutely don't know how um, these... Um, we do get sort of markers put on our DNA throughout our life that sort of controls how our DNA is used. And, and like I said, we know that this gets passed across in plants. We don't know how that would possibly happen in mammals, really. We haven't seen it happen yet. But there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that it might. So the idea that the environment that we're living in, it might one day sort of shape how the genes are used in our grandchildren, that's really interesting. We, we're still banging our head against a wall to kind of work out exactly what's going on there. But there, there's loads of work going on in that area. I just have an image of a, a granddad plant, um, <laughs> overweight grandchildren, baby plants. Anyway. That's exactly what Penny was saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Probably talking about grants like, and plant yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. The next conspiracy theory is about vaccines. We've come on to this a couple of times already. Mm. So, question for the panel. Uh, are you a symptoms Googler? Are you the kind of person that takes Ooh. your health into your own hands? Dr. Dr. Google. Uh, yeah, I, I, yes, I am. Yes. And I, but I, I have to catch myself because, you know, you'll have a headache and you'll Google mm. it. And of course, it's like the aneurysm. worst thing possible. Cancer. Aneurysm, mm. cancer, you know, etc. And then I have to stop myself. But I'm a terrible neurotic but I, and have all kinds of biases and I'm rubbish. So I shouldn't do <laughs> it. Don't put yourself there. <laughs> I think you're nice. Well, no, but I mean, you know, I'm, you know I, I do do that. And it's silly. And also it's really hard to get an appointment with a doctor as well. It takes bloody ages, so mm. it's easy just to kind of Google it. I Google my symptoms all the time. I'm really, really I bad Google for it. I Google your symptoms. And, yeah. <laughs> and I've, 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 as you said, like, 
diagnosed myself with pneumonia, I've diagnosed myself with cancer, but I have also correctly diagnosed myself <laughs> in the past according to symptoms when I was struggling okay, to get like, a doctor's what appointment. What rate of correct diagnosis to Poor, very diagnosis. poor. <laughs> <laughs> I have, you know, not been feeling great and then been trying to get an appointment with a doctor and basically worked out what was wrong and realised I didn't need to worry that much. Uh, yeah, I do. I do it all the time. I'm really bad for it. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, I, I don't think I've ever, like, decided I was dying. Um, I'm, I'm quite careful um, just to, and I think this applies to a lot of things, make sure you get your information from a reputable source. So mm. the NHS website is actually really good at just laying out what symptoms are what and what's most likely and that kind of thing. So um, like you say, it can be tricky. And also I, it's a bit embarrassing to go to the doctor and be like, here are all of the things I'm worried about. What do you think mm. about them? So to do a bit of a like self-pre-screen, <laughs> just right, to okay. check that you're not crazy mm. is quite good. It must be really annoying for doctors to have, to have people come in and say hi uh, I've got brain cancer because <laughs> I asked the internet I don't at all I, no, I, I, wow well, I'm really surprised no uh, I, I've never had I've uh, if, you if uh, been sick Huh? Maybe you're just super I don't, healthy. I don't get that sick, but also, I, think, I just don't worry about that I really that stuff. wanted to touch wood then, which was an irrational decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, I, if, if like a family member like, had a, a, been diagnosed with something serious, I'll, I'll then Google it to a find out. Yeah, as a post-diagnosis. Mm, yeah, yeah. but, then, but then I do remember going to the GP, oh, it was about five years ago, and I went in to talk to him, and, and then he went on Google, and I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed to work. But now I don't, I just don't do it at all. Oh, that's so sensible, well done. <laughs> so the survey that we're talking about next here, the statement that people were given was, to what extent do you think it is true that vaccines have harmful effects which are not being fully disclosed to the public? So definitely within the kind of anti-vax or let's say vaccine sceptical community, there are a lot of people who say they've sort of taken their health into their own hands, they don't trust what they're being told, they're doing their own research. One in five Britons, 20%, think it is probably or definitely true that vaccinations yeah. have harmful effects mm. which are not being fully disclosed. One in 20, so 5% of those aged 25 to 44, believe it is definitely true. Uh, that figure falls to one in 100, so significantly lower, but still that's one in 118 to 24 year olds who think it is definitely true that there are some harmful effects of vaccines which are not being fully disclosed. Mm. Younger respondents are still twice as likely as older respondents to say that the statement is definitely false. So 60% of 18 to 24 say so compared to just 34% of those aged 55 and above Whoa. who think it is definitely false. I think it is definitely important to note that there is a spectrum among, I think, the people who always get turned to the anti-vax community mm. um, and within so as part of my research for this I joined a whole bunch of Facebook groups that were sort of anti-vax slash revolution for vaccine choice uh, informed informed vaccine pro-informed choice or there's all mm. sorts of different ways that they sort of refer to themselves and actually the people who say that they don't identify as anti-vax are quite insulted to be identified as anti-vax they say it's not about that mm. it's just that I want to make an informed decision. I don't want it to be assumed that this is the right thing for me. Um, so I think that is quite a big one. But there is definitely sort of, let's say, some consensus among all of these people that they don't fully trust what they're being told. They want to do their own research. There's definitely a lot of signs of um, what's been referred to as sort of flattening truth, where like a YouTuber, like the people that we've spoken about before, their, their voice is equally weighted mm. to a scientific paper and they just get put, there was one person who has a sort of pinned post on the top of their group with about 90, 100 links to which are interchangeably a Facebook post 
or a journal article, all of which right. are pitted as equal evidence against vaccinations. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's just some of the initial findings. Um, I think a real problem with vaccines is, um, again, from sort of uh, psychology experiments, um, we know that, generally speaking, if you say something that's false and tell someone that, they're fo that it's false, just the mere fact that telling them the thing will fix it in someone's brain. So it doesn't matter if someone's repeatedly heard that it, it is absolutely false that the MMR vaccine is linked in any way to autism. Mm. It doesn't matter how many times you or, uh, always say it's false. The fact that someone keeps hearing that mm. will plant in their brain. Yeah. Right, so there might be this thing mm. between yeah. MMR and, aut and autism. So um, I, I don't actually blame people that when it comes to the point where a doctor wants to stick a needle in your child, mm. you think, well, I, I should read up on this and mm. I need to find out. And, and then the worrying thing is what they then find on the Internet. Mm. And it's definitely something where at that point, so like you say, so it's definitely a lot of a lot of mothers. So this is something that online, this interestingly enough, didn't come across in the poll results. But other research and in, in the various sort of online groups, you see a lot more women than men who are posting about their kids who are mm. about to have kids or whose kids are, are sort of due a vaccination. And often, and this is what's quite scary, these are people who are on the fence. They're not decided, but they're doing their research. And part of their research is to join these groups and mm. say, I've got a kid, you know, I'm, I'm considering whether or not to vaccinate them. What do you think? And mm. obviously, the only people who then respond are the extremely engaged anti-vax voices who say, here are all of the reasons why you should definitely not vaccinate what your is, child. What are the reasons? I, I, it's so obvious that it's not the true. But why, why, what is the supposed scientific basis behind... MMR vaccine causing autism. Like, is it just like I had? He had. Or my daughter or son had the MMR vaccine, and now they've got autism. Is that well, it was a scientist who said it? Well, yes, but what's what been was widely discredited? What, what was his well, uh, it's, it's now been found to have been uh, falsified. Mm. Um, so he's been fully disgraced. And uh, but it was presented in a science journal back in the nineties. So when you have a doctor and a published science paper that's going to get people quite scared. And, and we're still seeing the legacy of, of that now. In fact, it's far worse now. Mm. With all of these things, it seems that the internet has got a lot to answer for. I mean, with, <clears throat> as long as we've been roaming the earth, people have been conspiracy theorists. Mm -hmm. um, we see this in history. But certainly YouTube and the way that YouTube algorithms work and the way that the internet is set up, set up means that the, 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 human, the way that humans believe things, human psychology is now finding it, these little other other people like them and the whole thing seems to be exploding really and Things you can amplify your voice so much further yeah. on social media than and, you we, can and, otherwise. and also we hear all the voices in a way that we didn't hear the voices before yeah. and so this kind of selective amplification of, of ideas the motivated reasoning that, that lets us choose mm. different areas has has been sort of uh, you know amplified by the internet and yeah. uh, I don't know do, mm. Pre-internet, pre if you wanted to well, do research, you would maybe go to, I don't know, a library, a library or, or, and someone will decide what's in there. You talk to your immediate Exactly. Tribe. Whereas now the, the bibliography is so much more wide-ranging and is not curated, yeah. so you can see any kind of YouTube well, that's video. A good do scientists need to, to jazz themselves up a bit and get yeah. on YouTube and actually start using oh, this weapon of the weapon of choice to their advantage rather than... Because it seems like, you know, most scientifically still peer-reviewed comes out in a journal, Nature, mm. whatever but do they need to modernise? I think it's, it's, it, science is better communicating with the public because I still think that science is too much seen as something other, something that other people do, mm. and, and that creates a trust problem. Mm. And the thing that you were saying, which is, uh, is, is this equal weighting of evidence between yeah. some 
YouTube videos that the algorithm has suggested or the friends on the Facebook group compared with a Nature article or, or a New Scientist article, or, and they're not the same. I, I think part of the problem as well is um, there's there's just been um, scientists have been and and journalists and, and the media. These are the facts, and anyone who doesn't believe in them, anyone who doesn't believe in them is is um, like a loony or mm. fringe or and um, there's a total sort of lack of empathy there. Mm. And there's uh, increasingly, I think, we're beginning to realise that most of these people are trying to do the best thing for their child, and so um, rather than just kind of throwing people out and and um, sort of um, speaking about them as if you know they're other or not intelligent, I, if we want to actually have a, a discussion and, and help win people over you mm. have to understand their point of view rather than just dismissing them so I think that's been a, a big part of the problem but also um, I mean I, th I think this the reason it really seems to I, I, the way it was phrased was um, drug companies aren't <laughs> fully reporting the, the effects that's a, a, a mistrust that clearly a lot of people have in the big pharmaceutical mm. firms uh, you look at the opioid crisis that's going on now due to bad prescriptions of addictive drugs. There, there's something that the pharmaceutical industry really needs to do to really start regaining people's trust mm -hmm. because um, if we're not trusting the people who make our drugs, that's going to be a problem. But I think, so, uh, for me, the thing about this particular theory that sort of hits home a little bit more is that it's something that, A, sort of, like I mentioned before, is very emotive. It is about a parent and a child. It's not, it's not mm -hmm. it, you know, it's, it's, it's worlds away from the moon landing thing in that sense, I feel, because it is really just something out of I don't want to give my child some kind of awful disease mm. or disability or something but then at the same time I also don't see and maybe I'm wrong but I don't see where the vested interests are in it is there a lobby group in the same way that you know climate change deniers for a long time were probably supported by you know energy companies funding certain think tanks or certain reports well, in their favor is there something like that is it big pharma who but it's not remotely in their interests for people to be anti-vax right yeah, okay. <laughs> so get, I, get the diseases yeah. I, well, maybe. <laughs> I did ask um, our reporter in the States because she's covering the, the horrific measles outbreak mm. out there. And she, she says she thinks it's three things. She thinks there are people who mistrust the drug companies and, and they're motivated by that. Mm -hmm. There are people who have children with autism who haven't been fully explained just what we understand about it and they're looking for answers and and then when you have anything like this there's always going to be people who are cashing in so people who are writing books and getting paid yeah. to give talks and and so um i don't know to what extent those but do you think that those people genuinely do you think those are people do you think there are people who do believe that vaccinations work but are pretending they don't because they see a money-making opportunity in it do you think there are i don't know mm. I think it's, you exactly you say it's about control. People want to feel in control of their lives, and mm. especially when it's your child, like you say, it's a lot to do with parents. Yeah. You know, you're you're reaching out for whatever you can get, and when you're on the internet, on YouTube, and you're googling things, and and suddenly those ideas are planted in your mind. Mm -hmm. Particularly, you know, the Andrew Wakefield thing was. was exactly, I remember when it first, you know, Tony Blair not admitting that whether or not he gave his child the MMR virus and suddenly the whole country was sort mm. of panicking and talking about it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We have run out of time on that one. And I would like to bring us back into the realm of space for our final discussion, sort of. And I'm going to start with a question for the panel. Um, could you be friends with someone who thought the earth was flat? Penny? <laughs> um, I think, yes. I d- I d- um, we all have weird beliefs. Yes. Um, I'd probably tease them. Well, I'd go either way. I'd either tease them mercilessly about mm. it or maybe just never go on to the topic at all, mm. depending just how intense they were about it. Yeah. Um, if they were trying to persuade you the yeah. whole time. But mm. I th- we're all susceptible to, like, funny feelings and funny ideas mm-hmm. and I've, I'm sure some of my friends have some really out there theories <laughs> and, and possibly so do I. Mm. Tell us. Yeah, as you say, um, we're all conspiracy theorists to, to, to some degree. We mm-hmm. all have crazy beliefs. Um, is it weirder to think that the Earth is flat than, the, than it is weirder to think the Earth the universe was created in seven days by a deity? <laughs> there are, there are, well, I mean, just there are big cultural par- parameters to do that. We're much more tolerant of, of I think, of um, creationist or, or that idea than we are of flat earthers because the flat earth thing is a new thing and it's and it sounds suddenly ridiculous and it's taken hold in the last kind of year or so so we're um, you know we're particularly with we're thinking about a lot at the moment I've, I've met several flat earth people mm-hmm. uh, and they've been nice, very nice, nice chaps. yeah uh, really really nice actually I went to a flat earth convention in order to meet Love some it. flat earthers in order mm-hmm. to try and understand a little bit about what was going on and why is this particular phenomenon happening and why is it happening now? Mm. Victoria, any I feel really close-minded because my immediate response is, I'm not, no. Same. I don't, Me too. I don't know. I guess the thing is that I'm just thinking about what that correlates with, yeah. you know? Like, and I'm just, I'm just, maybe, and I'm also now scared that I have flat earth friends and it's just not coming <laughs> you know? You probably don't. I'm going to guess. But that's what they want you to think. Yeah. <laughs> Your point about not mentioning it, I think that really rings true to me because I find it very difficult when my friends talk about horoscopes. Mm. I hate but that again, it. But that's a, that's a cultural thing. We don't we don't mind if your friend believes in horoscopes. Oh, I, I is, mind. <laughs> so, yeah. But, it's, but there's, a nor, there's a normality to it because we've sort of all grown up mm. knowing our horoscopes and even though mm. it's silly, we sort of... Yeah, they, I say, we don't I say I'm a real cynic, but I know that I'm a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> what happened when the calendar's changed? Like... like like suddenly, know. like what did what did astrologers do then? Oh well, mm, sorry, yeah, we've been wrong a bit, but now, <laughs> but now we're definitely right. Mm. Um, I I'd love to be friends with some flat earthers. I can amazing. introduce. <laughs> yeah, so I'd probably feel slightly superior to them, but the that, that'd be great. The thing that I'm really concerned about was about 15 years ago, I, I made a program about people who believed the Earth was hollow, and they were hollow Earth believers, like and they believed. 
Yeah, but they believed that inside the Earth there was an internal sun and and, and right. people living there and all kinds of stuff. And, and, and no one no one remembers the hollow Earthers because they've been usurped by the flat Earthers. And I actually I got in touch with a hollow Earther. Aww. I used to know. I'm like, are you guys okay? Because I'm worried that <laughs> the flat Earth like Netflix are making documentaries about the flat Earthers we now. We still love you too. I know, but this was before the internet, so like hollow Earth never really, as a conspiracy theory, never really gained traction. Probably just picked way. it off again now. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I have it many books. Fun than flat earthers. Yeah, I like it. Oh, Maybe it's genius. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a whole little world inside There's the a whole Earth world, and there's like flying saucer bases, and there's there's an entrance in Antarctica. And, oh, cool. Uh, there's a, the, the internal. I mean, they just bring back Let's the whole It's Superb podcast road trip. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, yeah. I, but I, I met some, and they were all very lovely. The hollow earthers, mm -hmm. and I met some lovely flat earthers. And I'm not, I love that you've got this for every group. You know, we've got a couple of couple yeah. of flat earth friends, a couple of hollow earth friends, yeah. anti-vax friends. They're the all great people. The conference was really interesting. I went mm -hmm. to the flat earth conference and. Birmingham this year to try and understand. And the, the, my sort of take home thing was they all they're all really into the science. It's not like they're anti science, mm. even though they have this very, very extreme and to most people absurd belief. It's just they're very anti scientist. They see conspiracy, mm. they have no trust in scientists, they think scientists are controlling, they think they are closed minded, they're doing their own research mm. of which they you know, they don't see the flaws in their research. They mm. have their own groups that do this. They've been brought together by the internet. Uh, and I actually went, when I was there, there was some uh, PhD astrophysicists there doing a debate, you know, with the flat earthers about the sort of science. And the interesting thing was just how bad the PhD students were at explaining how the earth was round. Right. Because they don't spend their time Having talking about it, because them, they yeah. don't think about it, because it's, it's so obvious. Mm. But the flat earthers have honed their arguments so well, and they're so convincing, and they've got mm. all this stuff and yada yada. Yeah, and if you're if you're kind of on the fence and you're mm. sitting there, you're gonna go with the. What, what the well, they, ha they haven't convinced that many people in Britain. So the vast majority of people do not think that the Earth is flat. Clearly. So the survey asked the, the public, "Do you think it's true or false that the Earth is flat?" Eighty-eight percent said definitely false. Five percent said probably false. There is some room for doubt within that answer. 2% said it's probably true, and 1% said it's definitely true. Those don't sound like large percentages, that but that's 200,000 people. people in the UK. I have to say, and I know that as the YouGov person, I probably mm. shouldn't be casting doubt on our polls. Are we being trolled? I wonder. <laughs> I wonder whether there are mm. just a couple. I don't know, maybe it's wishful mm. thinking. But there's, that's, there's a difference between people trolling it. said they don't know. There's a difference between people trolling it and saying, mm. yeah, I'm going to say true. But the definitely false bit would be higher. Like yeah, yeah. People mm. The people that I really matter. believe in there are the probably false people. Yes. I feel like they're the ones who've thought about it the most. Because if you, you know? wanted to mess with a survey... Yeah, you wouldn't say probably false. Mm. And you wouldn't be the 4% who said they don't know. No. That is um, not... That is, are there different types of flat earthers then? Yeah, I think, <laughs> within, uh, I think within the kind of believing that the Earth is flat, there are different... There's lots of kind of uncertainty, which they talk about. Oh, we don't know this, we don't know this. Well, like true scientists. Right? Like, yes. But exactly, they talk about, they talk about their flat earth in the way that... You know, scientists talk about the scientific method. They right. use all the the same language, etc. You know, um, so that yes, there's people who believe that, um, that, that you know there is this ring of ice around the disk. Antarctica is this sure. disk, and some mm -hmm. people who don't believe that, and some people who aren't sure about that. So there are there is a spectrum of belief within that thing, but there is a. Uh, an idea that it's definitely not a globe. And it's actually, it was sort of fun and games to begin with when I went there, listening to some of the arguments, because it was just like being at a science conference. Mm. <laughs> it, it sounded like a science conference, it looked like a science conference. Um, and people? 
passionate people, mm. intelligent people, you know, people well, who are well spoken and well argued. It got a bit. It, the depressing thing was, is when you know, when I went there and there was a, uh, you know, a young kid who stood up to, to tell everyone how the Tim Peake thing was fake, and you can see the strings. I'm not, and when I see kind of young people being involved in that, sort of robbed of the wonder of the world, mm. robbed of that wonder that we have of understanding the world as it is, not just how we want it to be. I think that's quite sad and, and rather, and I, I actually felt very uncomfortable mm. with that. Did you ask some of the people that you met how they came yes. to this? And they and it was interesting. It, the, it was like we didn't start off as flat earthers, but we, we, we <laughs> no found one's born it. a flat earther. Yes. <laughs> no, absolutely right. Born, no one is born, not born. born. No, but that and that says a lot about how conspiracy theories work. They didn't start off so believing in flat it, earth. What was the well? Watching YouTube videos, being being mistrustful of science, mm. being mistrustful of government, being mistrustful of, uh, <clears throat> of of what they read, of education, and all these things being perhaps mistrustful of society generally. If you're part of an isolated group, for example, you mm. might have all these trust issues. Um, you know, your beliefs being challenged, uh, political things, religious beliefs, all these kind of things, and then suddenly they are gravitated towards these groups online, these videos, and they might hear about flat Earth. They might go onto a a flat earth video, mm. the algorithm will suggest more videos and it becomes a self-perpetuating thing. And that, uh, you know, if you meet friends that way, you get, you enter the culture. So if, mm. if you okay. find a community, you're having an interesting discussion, you're making videos together, you're attending the convention every year, yep. um, suddenly it becomes part of your identity. And, and once, once it's part of your belief system or, or how you see the world, it's very hard to leave that mm. because it's part of you. Yeah, it's identity. Idea. It all comes down to identity, I think. I love the idea that there's like quite a lot of people out there in the UK who think flat earthers are crazy and you can have a conversation about this and then they'll go well flat earthers are a bunch of idiots now let me say about the moon landings <laughs> now that is true <laughs> yeah. right, that's, but mm. that, that what what makes one person believe in one conspiracy theory and be able to sort of suspend their belief mm. and not engage in other conspiracies in, in that kind of similar field so to speak it, it, it seems to be, and I, I don't know the evidence, but it seems to be if you believe in one conspiracy theory, there, there may be a tendency that you will believe in in others, you know. If you I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I, I was trying, looking um, at some of the stuff, so I didn't come across that one, and that might well be true, but I think um, we also know that, at least in America, um, about 50% of people will believe one of the main conspiracy theories. Mm. So Study shows 60% of Britons believe in conspiracy theories, so believe well, in at least one. But that's because okay. conspiracies happen, and, bad, and governments do do bad things and hide things mm. from the public, and, and Big Pharma does do bad things sometimes. So... It's not like, you know, there are reasons why mm. there are seeds of, these things mm. are seeded in, in, in reality. Mm. I think the overlap with the, uh, the two that I discussed, the flat earth and the moon lang landings, is that you believe in, a, in basically NASA being incredibly all-powerful and dishonest. Yes. So if you believe that about the moon landings, maybe that would make you more likely to believe it. Absolutely. I don't, I mean, I don't see what I the point of that would be. But. So what? Yeah, who benefits from the yeah. Earth being flat, by the way? You mentioned that before. Like, and what benefit is it? Why would, why would a government's Mm. And NASA hide the shape of the planet. So <laughs> I'm just this joking. Is what I but I did wonder if it's because they don't want us to fall off the edge. <laughs> They're like exactly. keeping us in the middle. No, we've got the yeah. ice. We have the ice edge. We've got the edge yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That's why you, how you can't fall off is there's a wall made of ice. But the thing is as well, it's so easy to disprove it. I mean, anyone mm. could could you'd think, and yet it says a lot about the human mind and how mm. how susceptible we are to belief. And the thing is, it's, it, it's a crazy idea, Flat Earth, but it's not to say that people are crazy because we all are susceptible to this. We all mm. have these psychological, whether it's touching woods, that's just mm. as 
barking mad as believing the earth's flat. But also yeah. you've yeah. mentioned that some of this is about, you know, you, like you just said, governments do do, do hard yes. things from us, do mm. do bad things, pharmaceutical companies do do bad things. And so what, where, how do you, and if you combine that with the fact that, you know, when we all said we haven't done that much research on the evidence for climate <laughs> change, we just believe people, what is the, what believe scientists rather, believe that believe academia, where is the line between being a discerning and a critical citizen, doing your research and, and making sure you're not being hoodwinked and falling for, for theories that we're now classing as conspiracies? So one of the things that really grabbed me was that um, your level of scientific knowledge doesn't actually predict how susceptible you are to conspiracy theories. In, in fact, if you have a lot of knowledge of science, you can believe in conspiracy theories far more vehemently because you're quite comfortable with the scientific method. Right. Um, but what does seem to predict whether you can sort of um, not fall prey to them is um, your scientific curiosity. So just having that kind of open mind, being willing to think about ideas, mm -hmm. uh, judge them, gauge them. I, that seems, So I think that's the thing. It's not about making sure that you know everything. It's more about keeping that inquiring mind where you're balancing evidence and, and not getting too sucked as, uh, you know, astray into, into one particular view. But I at think. the same time, a lot of these people are displaying arguably, I mean, a lot more scientific curiosity than I am. I'm not put doing that much research into the Earth's round shape, you know, no. as the flat I've never done any. Up. Just saying. <laughs> it's funny. Until I, this podcast. I got a, this is a leaflet from the Flat Earth Convention. It's really interesting. The whole back piece of it, they talk about cognitive dissidence. And this is their argument about how scientists are wrong. They say sometimes mm. people hold a core belief that's very strong. When they're presented with evidence that works against that belief, the new evidence cannot be accepted. Now, that's exactly what <laughs> yes. scientists would say. That's exactly what the, the flat earth believers are saying about the scientists. They see scientists as closed. So you'll never convince them. No, because mm. you can't, if you, unless you're in the bubble, you're just sheeple, because whatever mm. you say, reason cannot, you know, take somebody out of an unreasonable mm. situation. As a person at the Flat Earth Conference, yeah. did they try and win you over? Are they bothered about, are they evangelists? No, not at all. I mean, I mm. also, I wasn't, I wasn't there to convince anyone. Mm. You know, why would I be? I, I was there because I was interested and they were very polite mm -hmm. and uh, they, were, they were interested. There was a couple of times it got a bit nasty, um, you know, because people have very strong beliefs and it's a certain type of person, I think. Mm -hmm. But, you know. So we like to end, we like yeah, to end each of these uh, recordings with uh, a nice summing up of uh, what Britain is a nation of. And can, uh, so we try and come up with some kind of a noun, some kind of a phrase. <laughs> Britain is a nation of. of, what are we a nation of? Humans. <laughs> I, Britain is a nation of conspiracy theorists. Yeah, basic. Conspiracy, yeah we are. <laughs> I'm a conspiracy. I think it's just more conspiracists than you think. Because mm. for every single one of those I was surprised at the percentages, because even 1% is a high percent. 200,000 people believing the Earth is flat, mm. I think is a lot. Mm -hmm. I think, Dallas, you're right. We're, we're, we're a nation of humans. Yeah. Uh, our brain is just, the way that we're built, we, we're susceptible to see patterns and mistrust people and see threats, so. Can I recommend, anybody who wants to understand conspiracy and, and the brain, Carl Sagan's final book that he wrote, The Demon Haunted World, is the greatest book, the greatest popular science book about science, what science is and what science isn't, how science works and how pseudoscience works. Mm. It's, it, you know, it's, writ it's written by Sagan, the greatest science writer. I, I please, I, I, I beg you all plug. to write it. <laughs> Thank you all. I didn't write it. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs>
Biano. We'll be back next week with more discussion around British stats and behaviour. So please subscribe if you've enjoyed today's show and feel free to reach out on Twitter using hashtag Biano. Next week, we'll be back in the studio with a discussion of how Brits feel about telly. Hit subscribe to receive a notification next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.